Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to inside supercars for another week happy new year indeed this week we speak with ryan story about 2015 and Penske DJR. We also catch up with Phil Keane about his move up to Queensland to join Penske's. We'll hear from Jess Slater who's staying on at Techno Autosport whilst Will Davison wrapping up at Erebus moving to Techno. We get his thoughts following the Sydney 500. I hope you'll stay with us for what should be a very entertaining show. First to Ryan's story. End of uh, the first year of DJR Team Penske, what has been your impressions of this first year? Well, it's been a challenging year all around. I think when you look back and, you, and, and we start off, of course, with one driver in the car and we've sort of led to another. I think that in, to think that all of that's transpired in the space of a year is nothing short of remarkable. But we had a pretty tough start to the year. The highlight was Marcus Ambrose, in Clipsal at least, was Marcus Ambrose making the shootout. And then from there, it was a real, it was a real uh, wake-up call and a bucket of cold ice water thrown in the face in a lot of respects. And I think from there, the whole team has rallied together and, and, and done a very good job to get us back to a level where we're starting to look like a competitive force. And to go into 2016, the way in which we finished the back half of the year is very encouraging for us. And when you include the fact that we're expanding to two cars, I expect that we're going to have a few teething issues, particularly in the first few events. They're going to be tough for the Queensland-based teams with predominant the bulk of those races occurring down south. But I think it bodes well for the future. And it also shows that the appetite for this team and for the ownership from the ownership group for us to be successful is absolutely there. And uh, hopefully we can return that faith and, and have results that, uh, that, that match that, that desire and that intensity to be successful. Looking back now, Marcus's decision after the Grand Prix to step aside, was that, in your opinion, too soon to make that decision or was it too late, as in Marcus shouldn't have come back? I think there's a number of ways you can look at it. I think the internal view of myself and others within the team is that he was a bit premature in making that decision. Certainly the engineering group at the time were, were, were pretty gutted by it. And, and I think it took a few events for everyone to understand that his intentions were pure. He genuinely didn't believe, or he genuinely didn't understand whether it was him or the car that was, uh, that was holding things back. And I think looking back on it now, it's quite clear the car was not where it needed to be. And Marcus was still developing and getting his eye in as well. But I think that uh, I think he probably underestimated the challenge of coming back. I think we certainly we certainly did to to some extent as well. But his intentions, yeah, I think for there's no there's no better way to sum it up than to say that his intentions and and, and the way in which he presented himself and presented his decision making processes there were were were, were, were genuine. 
and uh, I think it's we've still benefited from him being a part of the team even up to this point. And he'll still be a, a feature of our group into next year. He was a key part in, in helping bring the Penske decision uh, to 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 where we ultimately are now. So he's a big, integral part of what we're doing going forward. It's just that he's not going to be wearing a race suit and a helmet. Do you you think the three endurance races solidified that decision, or do you think that actually gave him some doubt? I think even leading into that, uh, he's he's been quite open about the lack of testing and lack of tyres being a prohibitive factor for him getting up to speed, and I think that that's, that's a fair call. These cars are different and are difficult to drive at the best of times, and it's why we've got a, a, a group of drivers who are uh, senior and very well established because they know these cars. And we're going to see that going forward. And I think the appetite from both the representatives on the board, team representatives on the board, and the teams themselves to see more tyres brought into the sport, more testing brought into the sport, into the sport, to give young drivers an opportunity to come through the ranks is going to pay dividends later on down the track. It's going to allow some fresh blood to come in. But I think that, that they were absolutely the prohibitive factors to Marcus being successful. And in the lead up to the endurance events. We were limited in that we made a conscious decision at the time based on where we were with the car to utilise our test day early, but knowing full well that given that he'd done uh, the Grand Prix and and Clipsal, he was probably as well prepared as any of the other endurance drivers were anyway. But what I saw in terms of his headspace going through those events was a guy who was pretty sure in himself where he wanted to be. And he, he, look, he's, he's, he's seen it all, he's done it all. He was incredibly successful here in his first his first tilt at it. He had, um, I think, he did as, w- as as well as could have been expected in his NASCAR career. He 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 was well and truly up to the task, but wasn't always in the equipment to do the job. And he basically made a decision after the Enduros that look, if I'm not going to be the guy, then I don't want to be a guy. And he was quite open and honest with us, and and certainly with Roger in New Zealand, that that was where he stood. I mean, there was an opportunity for him right up until that point to do something with us. And even before then, even over the Bathurst weekend, the question was was put to him at that point in time: Hey, do you actually want to? Do you want to step back in the car? Do you want to be a? Do you want to be the second driver next year? How do you want to? How do you want this to play out? So once we had clarity on where he sat there. And then clarity later that he didn't want to be a co-driver. It allowed us to move forward. But such is the respect that Roger Penske and, and Tim Sidrick and, 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 and myself and the ownership group here have in him that we wanted to ensure where his headspace was and what he wanted to do moving forward before we made any other decisions. It was a tough position for a young driver like Scott Pye to come into because I remember speaking to him midway through the year and I said, is it your car yet? And he's like, no, it's always Marcus's car. The more you went, the more it had to become Scott Pye's car, the more the team had to then change its mindset from we're a Marcus Ambrose DJR Team Penske to we're a Scott Pye DJR Team Penske and that must also take a huge jump because you go from a guy who raced 36 times a year to a guy that has had probably 60 races in his career Well, It was quite interesting the way in which it evolved because originally we set out for to have Marcus out of the car for a few races, and it was certainly an open-ended question. And then it, early on it became clear that we were going to look at putting Marcus back in the car around Darwin time, and then that didn't transpire. And I think from about that point, uh, 
we were of the resolve that, that Scott was going to see through the year as the primary driver and, and, and that was really the turning point because we weren't able to give him any certainty because precisely as you say and, and as he said at the time it was still going to be Marcus's car so I think that one of the big challenges was playing that scenario out but we ended up in the position that I think was the right, the right, the right call on all fronts I think Scott's done a very good job for us this year and it's easy to forget that despite the fact that he's a, an accomplished racer and an experienced racer he hasn't spent as much time in these particular cars as some of his peers have. I'm thinking particularly about the class of 2012, the per- per- Nick Perkats of this world, the Scotty McLaughlins, the Chas Mosters. So I think leading into next year, he's he's going to hit his straps pretty well as a consequence of what he's done with us over the last couple of years and, 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 and the fact that it does take time to be able to operate at the, at the pinnacle and to be able to prosecute race weekends effectively. I mean, even, even, this, even this weekend here at Homebush so far, we've not done... We, I, I think that we've underperformed in qualifying for Saturday races. Well, it remains to be seen how, how we go across the rest of the weekend as yet, but certainly that's what we're still... That's the That's the the 10% that we're still lacking and that's what that's the difference between the top teams and the rest you look at teams like triple eight they get it right and when they have an off weekend they still finish in the top 10 right now we're qualifying around the bottom or just outside the top 10 and we want to be better than that and that's really what we're chasing is there with the expansion to cars is the current system just completely uh, favoured towards a driver like Fabian, who's got plenty of experience, as opposed to looking out there and going, well, he's actually the best racing driver we can find and be able to bring him to the sport. Well, in a lot of respects, yes. But look, we, we, we went out and consciously evaluated the market and identified Fabian as being the best driver available to join our team. And I think that he's going to be a tremendous fit. He fits the Penske mould quite well. He's obviously an accomplished, successful racer. What he's done at, at BJR over the last couple of years has been exemplary. I think that he's he's been a he's got a proven track record in the car of the future spec cars. But to your question, it all harkens back to the ability to get miles in these cars, and because they are unlike anything else, you can't take a gamble. You can't operate at the top level and take a gamble at someone who doesn't have the runs on the board. You sort of look at look across the support categories at the moment and you look at a guy like Matt Campbell, in, who's obviously doing incredibly well, or did incredibly well in the back half of the season in Carrera Cup. Now, as DJR, would I take a gamble at putting him in a car to see what he could do? I probably would. As DJR Team Penske, probably not. And it all comes down to getting race miles and, 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 and uh, seat time in these particular cars. And, and we will get to that, that stage. Again, there is an appetite amongst, the, amongst pit lane now to see more tyres, more testing, and that will bear fruit. Mm. We've got a situation with DJR Team Penske that is still in a heavy business-to-business relationship model of sponsorship and advertising. Does that have to transition in the short term? To a to a corporate um, sponsorship and advertising model. Well, I think that the model that we are utilising is very similar to how Roger Penske's always gone racing, and that is that first and foremost, 
we represent the marketing arm of a business that employs a thousand people here in Australia and, and has assets in every state and territory, uh, not to mention in Australia but also in New Zealand. So first and foremost we represent Western Star Trucks, MAN Trucks, Dennis Eagle, MTU, Detroit, Penske Truck Rental. Beyond that, almost all of our commercial arrangements have a foundation in a business-to-business model that connects those companies with the Penske business in Australia as it continues to grow and expand. So that's going to continue to be our commercial model into next year and beyond because we have, we've proven this year, and I think that's really been the highlight of the year for, from where I sit, is that we've got the commercial side of it working very, very well indeed. That will be a hallmark of what this team's all about and I think we have the capability of doing it better than anyone else solely because no one else has the depth of having a, an organisation like Penske behind it. I mean, Penske uh, worldwide, they are a $28 billion business. It's a big, it's a big company with a, with a large footprint in uh, Asia-Pacific now, particularly in Australia, and in Europe and, and, and obviously the United States. So we're trying to use that, follow the US model with Team Penske, implement that here and do it successfully. And so far, I think, I think we're, we're doing a good job, but there's a lot more we can be doing. So will we see two cars at every race liveried the same or will the model be Fabian and Scott will have diverse uh, arrangements on the cars to try and increase that business-to-business reach? Yeah, so I think there'll be some races where both cars will be liveried the same. For the most part, we'll, have, uh, we'll be representing different commercial partners at each race with both cars. And again, it's, it's, it's an effective way keeping in mind that the foundation of the business is to represent the Penske businesses here in Australia basically means that there's five brands that we have to represent through the course of the year. When you take that into consideration and you look at a round-by-round commercial partner proposition, it's, it's absolutely the best model for us. So we'll, we'll implement that across both cars. And so will that mean that Fabian might be associated with a certain range of brands and Scott will be associated with another range of brands, much like Will Power is very much the Verizon driver in the IndyCar team. So uh, there's always the option for us long-term looking at having foundation partners similar to what they do, particularly in the NASCAR side, where they'll have, they have the Miller Lite car and the, and the Shell Pennzoil car and then different brands that come on from race to race. But as it stands at the moment, because the Penske business and the Penske identity in Australia is growing and they have a fairly ambitious growth plan. We'll continue to represent those brands and that will be the core of, 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 our, of our platform for both cars and then that will be complemented by other companies that are, that are already part of, the, part of the group mix and new partners that we'll bring on board for next year. They'll, they'll be represented through the course of the year. We'll have more with Ryan Story after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. When you were running DJR, the the front office that you were part of was the top of the 
pyramid of the business. Now, as you mentioned, you're the top of the pyramid of the of that chain of business, but there's a much bigger there's a much bigger Australian and then a much bigger global front office that is above you. How do you manage those sorts of relationships which you hadn't been in previously? Well, it's 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 both. I mean, it's 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 certainly different. But what makes the process work is that I'm dealing with people who are hardcore racists, not to mention extremely successful business people. And the tremendous amount of experience that Tim Sindrick has and that the Team Penske operations have basically means that there isn't anything that can happen out here that they haven't seen before, they haven't been part of before, just based on the tremendous depth that they have. I mean, Tim Sindrick's been around motor racing his whole life. And I've got tremendous respect for him and, and I've learned so much from being part of that this year especially. And the way in which it's worked is that it's all about communication and it's about ensuring that, that these folks, despite the fact they're 15,000 kilometres away, are aware and conscious of what, what's happening here in Australia at Stapleton and at racetracks around the country. And this weekend I've spoken to Roger and, and, and been emailing Roger and Tim throughout the course, letting them know where we're at and, and, and what, what we're up to, and they're very heavily engaged in the program. But really what, what it has meant in terms of change for us is that we've obviously got including myself, three owners here in Australia who represent the minority share of the business and then Roger who represents the majority and collectively as a group the communication is what makes it work. Mm. Communication in a broader sense in V8 supercars has not always been as clear and, and direct as you would really expect in an organisation such as this. How have you seen 2015 in the continual building and the, and the growth of the business which you're all shareholders in? Well, I think really it's... It, uh, I think the business certainly has its challenges, but we're in a growth. We're, we're growing. You look at the TV numbers, there was a challenge at the start of the year in terms of relaying what all that represented in Punterland, but we're seeing that we're, we're, we're building that and getting close to where the numbers were last year. So that side of things is working well. I think the way in which the technical department of VS Supercars works now is, is, is very good indeed. I think in, in David Stewart, we've got a, a, a sporting and operations director who's extremely capable. And he knows both sides of the fence, having come from, from a team environment. And in James Warburton, we've got a CEO who I think does an outstanding job. He has a big picture view and big picture vision of, of the sport and where he wants it to go. And I think overall, there's a tremendous future for all of us. And, uh, and I think for Roger Penske to invest in the way in which he has, for us to expand two cars, I think 12 months earlier than what was ever planned in the first instance anyway, goes to show that uh, that, that vision that James has, that the board has, that the teams have for the sport is one of success. But factionism has always been problematic in this sport. Has James, in your opinion, been able to smooth out some of this um, perceived and real uh, faction and uh, and uh, cronyism? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure cronyism is the right word, but... Uh, um, like I think every, you, you've got... Whenever you get the team owners in a room, you've got people who are effectively responsible for meeting any shortfall in their businesses, opening up their wallets, and each, each one of them around the table 
they probably employ on average 25, 30 people. They're heavily invested in the sport. And then you look at teams like Roland, for instance, who's got diverse business interests. And then you look at someone like Brad Jones and, and, and their, their race team represents their business interests. You've got different opinions across that range of characters, cast of characters. But fundamentally, all of us want the sport to be successful. And sometimes you, ha sometimes you have the good and the bad from the political side of things. But it's the same in any sport. You're always going to have differences of opinion. But at the end of the day, we're one big family or we want, and we all want to move forward together. Mm. We might have different ways of wanting to move forward, but that's, that's par for the course. You have to work these things out. Some of that's done behind closed doors. Some of it's done in front of TV cameras on a race weekend. It's just the way that it is. But the thing is, is that I think amongst all of the teams, there's good relations when push comes to shove. Sometimes behind closed doors, there's a little bit of, a, there's a little bit of uh, animation. But in real terms, we're we're all we're all heading in the same direction. We all want we all need the sport to be successful, so that we can make our bottom lines work. And I think that uh, when you take that into account, I think I think we're a pretty well behaved group. How do you look at the diversification plan of the parent company, Bathurst Twelve Hour? Now, the toe went into the water for the V8 Utes. It's been pulled back out now. Um, obviously, going to KL and having a much more business-to-business -business relationship as well as a racing relationship there. I think it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction. I think the Bathurst 12-hour opportunity is one that the sport took with open arms. I think there's a lot that, uh, that, that V8 supercars can do to continue to build and grow that event and keep it separate from what the, what the V8 supercars category is. But uh, we, ha we effectively have the two crown jewels of Australian motorsport in the 12-hour in what it's become. I think the, previ the, previous, uh, the previous regime have done a tremendous job building that event, really have. And then you look, obviously, to Bathurst 1000, they're two fantastic events. Uh, and uh, to have them both within the sport is a, is a pretty incredible achievement. But I think overall the strategy is sound. I think we've got some challenges on the technical front in the implementation of, of Gen 2. But again, there is a desire from all of the players concerned to make sure that that happens in the right way because we want to ensure that there is manufacturer support and investment in this sport going forward. And there are a lot of challenges. There are a huge array of challenges that all of us are across. And again, the reality is we're all pushing in the, in the same direction because we all need the sport to be successful for our individual businesses to be successful. And all of us are incredibly ambitious. And all of us want to see success, not just on the racetrack, but off it as well. So yeah, despite the fact that there may be occasional differences of opinion, there may be the occasional argument, we're, we're, we all want the same thing. I guess ultimately there's a lot of talk about Gen 2 and engines and parity, but Gen 2 doesn't really uh, click in, if you like, or even come in until someone actually says, we want this engine that's not a V8. Mm. Up until that point, it's really business as usual. It is, and I think that the way in which they actually went about uh, evaluating that model by involving people like Steve Hallam, uh, Ross Stone, people who have got experience not just in in our uh, in our series, but but, but uh, in global motorsport, meant that in a way in which I suppose slightly different to the car of the future discussion, it was a bit more consultative and collaborative. And the ultimate end game is the same. That is keeping the level of manufacture investment in the sport well, as it is now will grow it 
and that required going out and talking to these people, but at the same time, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater with the platform we currently have. So what it ultimately means, precisely as you say, is that new manufacturers or the existing manufacturers can come to the table, present a new platform to go forward with, but it doesn't necessarily change what other teams who don't necessarily have that support uh, race into the future. So there's some stability there for sure, but there's also opportunity. And we just need to see it play out. It's going to have some challenges in terms of how we make it work on a parity formula. But again, I think that the, the people that we have involved uh, as it stands now in the technical department of V8 supercars are certainly uh, of the calibre to, to, to see that work in the best way possible. And again, the collaborative nature of how a lot of these things are, are shaping out now is, is one that's very encouraging, particularly for us, because we're, we're a team that will look to, to explore uh, that platform in the future for sure. We hope you have a great Christmas. It's going to be a busy one. As we've already discussed, getting a second car on the grid is is no small feat. And I imagine you're still recruiting and still trying to bring the, the right people into the organisation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's never... It, it, we're, we're, what we're looking to do is bolster the group that we have. Uh, we've got a lot of confidence in, in, in the group that we have at the, at the team now. And you only have to look back at what we've achieved over the course of this year to show that, uh, that we've got a pretty strong core group. So we're looking at bolstering that. The bulk of that recruitment phase is, is, is complete, but there's still more to do. And I, th- I think it's going to be a pretty... Uh, pretty busy Christmas break for us. We're looking at building two new cars to start the year with. We've got one chassis complete and uh, and being worked on at the moment, so uh, there's still a lot to do, but it's exciting for us, and we're, we're, we're really buzzed at the challenge. Well, Ryan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks, Craig. Really appreciate it. After the break, Phil Keed talks about finishing up at BJR. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Phil Keed, it's a big change for you next year, moving to the Gold Coast and going to be working with one of the uh, most recognisable names in motorsport uh, in DJR Team Penske. What's, what's your feelings like leaving Brad Jones Racing, but the excitement, I guess, of going to that opportunity? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, it's, it's exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm really actually really sad to leave BJR and... Albury, you know, been really, really happy here the last six years, and still love the place. It's a, it's a fantastic team to work for, and um, you know, a really great place, and, and really good people working here. So um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that a lot, um, but really, really excited about the the opportunities that um, DJ Penske sort of offers, and and all of the opportunities to learn and and, and learn from all of their resources. Obviously, it's a big task immediately when you get there. There's two cars that have to be built. They're going from one car to two, so there's a lot of recruitment being done, which you may or may not be privy to. Yeah, no, pretty 
you know, really not not privy. Um, but I think the guys there seem to have it all in hand. They're already going quite well as a one-car team. So, you know, I think um, I'll be able to add some things, but I'm, I'm sure they've got, you know, everything seems to be pretty under control. When you've been doing these last few races, obviously you've been concentrating on Fabian's car, but then I, I guess you're seeing the times, you're seeing the 17 car going, we're going to be there and and just sort of matching yourself to what that those results have been. Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, you sort of keep an eye on the lap times that they've had, but really, I mean, we've, you know, really wanted to finish off the year, you know, at our best with BJR. It didn't go as well as we wanted, but um, so I really haven't actually, you know, once once we've finished up at BJR, I think I'll, then I'll, I'll start getting my teeth into the next year, but it's been pretty focused on us this year. So. And, of course, you, you're working ridiculously long hours. You've got a house in Albury. You have to sell that. You've got to buy a place to live up in Queensland. Has that been all on the, the, uh, the other half's uh, shopping list, or have you had time to think about anything like that? No, well, I've, I've been, we've, we've, we've both been working on it together, but, I, yeah, no, it's... Um, with the kids and everything, and, and she she works well. It's been really busy, and um, it's it's been a little distraction. We sold our house already, but um, we've got to we've got to try and uh, I'm trying to find us a house up there. So that's a bit of a challenge at the moment. So what are you, before Christmas, after Christmas, do you actually have to turn up and get your new uh, get your new Bundy clock card and yeah, start work? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll start formally there next year, um, but I've got to go up a few times just to try and. Um, I finished up as of today with BJR, and I'll, I'll go up a few times to try to find housing. Um, and I, and I probably I haven't been to the shop, so I probably drop in and, and sort of meet some people and things. But I re- yeah, other than that, I'm sort of focusing on the move at the moment. Of course, Ryan and the team there were talking to you. They wanted you to come and engineer a, a car for them, knowing that they were going to a second car. What did you think when you've made your decision to go there, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, by the way." You'll be engineering Fabian. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it did look from sort of middle of the year with all the rumours, um, although I didn't have any knowledge that he was going there, it did look quite likely that it was, if he left BJR, it was a place he was going to end up. But, you know, I really wanted to make sure, I mean, Fabian would be exactly the same. Um, you really just have to make sure the team's the right fit for you. Um, if, if you've got someone you've worked with before, it's a real asset, but, you know, you, you have to, you have to, make sure it's the fits with the team so. yeah and, and of course you were making a leap of faith for so many reasons this is obviously you you weren't making the leap to get away from your driver no that's right that's right and um i mean to be honest it, it really needed to be something you know being happy where we were and, and me happy with in the team it, it just it's just that 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 u.s connection the learning and you know if everything works out, you know, you know, in a few years' time, we would like to maybe do a stint in the States. So, you know, I, I guess those things really fitted really well. So, I imagine you'd be looking at sport car, sports cars more than Indy or NASCAR? Oh, well, I've actually... Indy and NASCAR both interest me a lot. I really like, I really like the idea of ovals. Uh, I've always wanted to add... I've done rally and circuit. I've always wanted to sort of learn what there is to learn about ovals or some of it and um yeah but we'll see how that you know the, the focus is on what happens here it's just if things work out there they do have good links so. mm. 
Phil, have a great Christmas. I uh, hope you do get a bit of time to have a breather and take stock before moving house is a bugger of a job. Ah, tell me about it. And happy Christmas to you as well. Well, we stay in Queensland now. Jeff Slater will join us on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Jeff, 2015, definitely an interesting year. Finished on the the perfect note with a, a solid race win where speed strategy all came together yeah it wasn't wasn't too bad uh it's been a had its ups and downs clearly the the wind going up into the new season is good coming off a tough mid-year for us so uh it's good showing some promise since Sandown. i think we've been one of the quickest guys and just finding more pace so it's it's good 2016 what's it in store for you uh not much at the moment Make the car go fast. We're getting a new driver. Uh, it's, it's a shame to lose Shane, but uh, getting Will. Will's equally as talented, so look forward to it. It's going to be an interesting challenge because the relationship driver and engineer is so critical to the success of any team. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few bugs to iron out, but it's no different from picking Shane up last year, and um, I'm looking forward to the challenge. One thing that interests me, and I know a lot of listeners have asked, you're a single car team, so you share a boom. How do you work with the team that is in your garage beside to work out who's going to do what actually on the pit stop? Because we've seen a lot of times where it's half and half going across the line to the car. I mean, we spend a lot of time pre-season uh, discussing who's going to do what roles. And as far as the, the strategies, how they lay out, um, obviously qualifying is a, a big key in that. Knowing where you qualify is what lays out your strategy um, and then we just work around that so after each qualifying session knowing where we're, we're going to start where they're going to start we'll come up with the strategy of what we think will work and then we'll sit down with them just before the race and discuss how we're both going to play it out sorry I was actually talking about the personnel ah. that go across the line ok yep. Um, oh, yep, we just split the fastest guys usually do the job so we have a spike guy they have a fuel guy uh, whoever's the fastest doing the, the wheels, they'll do the wheels. So we saw that pre-season, and then during the season, we'll actually do time checks, see if they're still still fast enough. If they are, they keep going. If not, we will replace them. So, and you have to then work with the other team. Correct. And so, how do you practice if it's a Melbourne team, you're a Queensland team? How do you how do you coordinate those and get them together? It was difficult last year with BJR. I mean, we really only did pit stop practice at a race weekend. We would analyse footage and data post-race and obviously communicate with each other, but really our only practice was at a race weekend. So our boys would practice doing wheel changes by themselves. Their boys would do the same thing. Same with brake changes. We would practice a, a one brake pad change. They would practice the other side. So really it's coming together at Sandown or something like that where everything gets put together <laughs> finally. So it, it's difficult. But uh, this year sharing a boom with Penske, 
being a Queensland-based team, when we test, they just came out to the test and helped us do piss-off practice. So we're always relying on, on, on those guys, but communicating with them what we needed, they made themselves available to do it. And next year, I guess, we haven't seen the pit order, but obviously the links you have with Triple Eight and Triple Eight being a, a third car would be a good symbiotic relationship for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, having a car that's similar to yours... The, the mechanics, it's, it's all second nature to them. They don't have to think about things. So teaming up with Triple Eight would be the perfect uh, perfect way for us to run the year. And I guess in that scenario, you'll be fighting with a few other people because Charlie's got a Triple Eight car, or others have a Triple Eight car where they're a one-car operation. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who've got quick cars. It doesn't matter if it's a Triple Eight car or FPR car, PRE car. We're there to beat them all, so... It's good to be up the front. I mean, we've been called out a few years with uh, slower cars coming down pit lane as we're trying to exit. So being down the right end or the pointy end of pit lane will be good. We don't have to worry about that. We just need to concentrate on getting the car as quick as we can. And when does seat fittings for Will all take place and getting him, you know, pedals? It, it's a, it sounds like such a small thing, but it takes hours and hours to do. Absolutely. Um, not actually sure when he's going to come in for the first time, but... Uh, We'll put a couple of days aside for him, make sure he's comfortable in the car. When we go to the first test day, again, we'll be moving, adjusting things. They're always chasing the little bit of detail, so we're prepared for that. So. Are you happy with the changes in the testing and the tyre rules? You could always have more tyres, but everyone's in the same boat. We deal with it. Jeff, have a great Christmas. Hope you do get some sort of break and look forward to seeing you down there in Adelaide. Thank you very much. His new driver, Will Davison, is up next on Inside Supercars. I hope you'll stay with us. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, Will Davison, the, the sliding doors of uh, racing careers always are opening and closing. This one at Erebus is now closed. How do you sum it up immediately after your last race? Um, yeah, listen, I'm. Um, yeah, you're right. Sliding doors is a good word, but there's no no point looking back in your career. Um, you know, you often look at if if I chose X instead of Y and Z. It's all pointless, you know. You go with your gut every time you uh, make a decision based on a lot of information and um, um, and you dwell on every experience, good and bad, and, um, yeah, take a lot of good out of the last two years. Obviously, on-track results have been really tough, but you learn a lot about yourself um, in difficult situations. I've certainly got a different perspective on, uh, on V8 Supercar Racing and another side to it, um, being obviously with the big factory teams and now with a, a relatively new team in an underdeveloped car and having a much bigger uh, responsibility and involvement in the car um, has certainly taught me a lot. And, uh, yeah, it has. You know, I'm, I'm glad the year's over. It's been a frustrating end, but uh, built great relationships, leaving on great terms, which is the main thing to me. Well and truly closed the chapter and uh, focused on the new one, um, hopefully uh, being better for it, this tough experience. Shane joked uh, in the press conference today that... 
he lapped you and he thought to himself, Will be pretty happy to see the car I'm going to jump into is just uh, leading this race, putting me a lap down. <laughs> well, there, yeah, exactly right. I mean, we only got lapped because um, on a first safety car restart, I had a uh, mechanical black flag for some damaged rear bodywork. So obviously, I lost half to three quarters of a lap on about lap 15 or 20 of the race. So um, yeah, it was uh, yeah that, that that situation was helped, but uh, when it did come past me, you know, it's. When I saw him in the lead and I was uh, couldn't help but think, wow, I'm excited to get my hands on that thing. Do you know Jeff Slater very well, the doc, as uh, he's well known as? And Have you had any opportunity to talk with him away from the track and build that rapport? Because without rapport, it's a really tough slog. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that process. Uh, no, I mean, I, I know Jeff uh, briefly, but no, I haven't sat down with him and started getting into the nitty-gritty yet. Um, uh, I've had a nice dinner with Steve Hallam, um, know John O'Webb well. I've had a good chat to a couple of the boys from Techno just this weekend and uh, yeah, I've only heard great things about Doc. So uh, obviously I can't wait to get my teeth stuck into it, see what makes those guys tick, see what program they're on. I'm obviously yeah, really, really keen after uh, obviously having a tough year this year to see some of the answers and already out on the bike with Jamie in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I've got a more open relationship with him now. Normally, race chats completely banned on factory team, or and now obviously nearly being a teammate. Although it's we're a separate team, we obviously uh, share info, and already he's been opening up to me, which has been which has been awesome. Which I think shows how close the relationship will be next year with them. Well, hopefully you do get a bit of a break before you have a lot of work. And I, I was speaking to Doc and said it's amazing how much work a driver takes to get into a car little things seat position steering wheel position uh you know your foot pedal box whilst they're standardized things they're all different for every person and they can take hours and hours to get right yeah exactly i've done it a couple of times now but it's going to be you know ergonomically a bit of a shift particularly after using the cell the last couple of years so obviously getting back um you know into a standard seat um getting comfortable learning all the new switches and layout of that car and just spending plenty of time um, getting everything perfect your seat your your pedal offset your pedal you know pad type and shape all these little things that uh, you can individualize for yourself so um, yeah that'll take a bit of time but uh, uh, yeah I can't wait as I said an interesting one the cell after we've seen Chad's accident after we've seen uh, other big accidents before would you actually say to Techno, hey, why don't we look at getting a cell? I don't know how easy they are to get, whether you can buy one or what have you, yeah. but would you think about, say, adopting something like that, or are you not uncomfortable with a, a regular seat or, or needing extra protection? Uh, no, I think I think the category as a whole is, is looking at the future now of safety and something along the lines of the cell, I think, should be looked at very seriously, and I think the category is doing that um, you know, that's not to say the current seat that's used by majority isn't safe, but uh, certainly uh, his leg injury probably could have been avoided and Courtney's for that matter, probably in a cell or something similar. And I think that's where you're seeing DJR Penske taking the initiative to uh, improve that, and I'm sure other teams will follow. So, um, yeah, I'm not concerned. I mean, the cars are, are safe, but um, as long as we're always striving to, to make them better. And the Sydney race, a lot of talk about this venue it's a very expensive venue to run at would you like to see the track shortened to one bring the cost down and, and two change it up a little bit 
well, I don't know. You'd have to look at what shortened options are there available. Um, you know, if you can save costs, make it shorter, but not hamper the circuit, yeah, why not? It's nothing to do with the length of the circuit. It's obviously to do with the quality of the corners, and we see that at the Gold Coast. We shortened it, but probably didn't take away from the event, probably even added a passing opportunity, made it better for the fans being in a tighter hub. And uh, you could possibly create something like that here, to be honest. So um, I've got a love-hate relationship with this place. I've had a great statistic, three pole positions here, five front rows, um, and obviously a victory. But I've also been on the raw end of it a couple of times where it's uh, pretty brutal and cruel on the cars. So um, yeah, it is a tough joint. And uh, um, yeah, hopefully we can stay here, to be honest. But yeah, if there's a solution there, I'm all for it. Mm. Will, have a great Christmas and look forward to seeing you in Techno in 2016. Yeah, bring it on. Thanks. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Hope you'll join us next time. Hope you had a great New Year's Eve. Keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.